Mashiach now. Welcome to the 22nd day of the Bain Hamatrim series corresponding to Tisha B'Av. And it is the Tav of the Hebrew Aleph Bet. Or if you're doing what's known as Atbash, it is the Aleph. So counting backwards in the Hebrew going from Tav to Aleph, every letter corresponds with the letters going from front to back. So we go Aleph to Tav, but then we go Tav to Aleph. So it'll be as follows. Aleph Tav, Bet Sheen, Gimel Resh, Dalit Kuf, Hey Sadi, Vav Pei, Zain Ain, Chet Samik, Tet Noon, Yod Mim, Kaf Lamed. So you have 11 pairs to correspond to the 22 letters, and each one reflects within itself. So for every Aleph, it's a Tav. For every Bet, it's a Sheen. For every Gimel, it's a Resh. Dalit is Kuf, and so on and so forth. So if you're counting backwards, it would be Tav, Aleph, Sheen, Bet, Resh, Gimel, Kuf, Dalit, Sadi, Hey, Pei, Vav, Ain, Zain. Samik Chet, Nun Tet, Mem Yod, Lamed Kaf. This is important because when Hashem was creating the world, each letter of the Hebrew Aleph Bet appeared before Hashem and said, create the world with me. And it started with the letter Tav and got all the way down to the letter Bet. And then the Aleph was reserved for the first letter of the giving of the Ten Commandments. And then when we look at the understanding of the Ten Commandments, the original set of tablets had 620 letters, and each letter corresponded to one of the 620 mitzvot. That is the 613 mitzvot with the seven rabbinic mitzvot that have been added. Things like the Hillel, candle lighting and Hanukkah. Those are just a few. So in the Kinos prayer service for Tisha B'Av, we have a couple of uh, insights in the preface. One of them is called a cry for all seasons. So the compiler of the art scroll, uh, Nusak Ashkenaz, complete Tisha B'Av service was writing which, by the way, the compiler here is See the publish the editor's preface. So yeah, so we're going to look at the editor. The editor is. Second, Menachem Davis. So he wrote this in, or edited this in Savan of 5771, corresponding to June 2011 in Brooklyn, New York. So he writes, the tears of Kinos are never ending, are a never ending stream. When I began to translate and elucidate the Kinos on the day after Sukkot, 
I called my Rebbe, Harav Mordecai Gifter, and asked, how can I get into the mood of writing about Kinos just a day after Simchat's Torah? Just to let you know, Kinos, which is keynote uh, for the Sephardic pronunciation, is the same letters as the word tikkun, which is the word for repair, which has the same gematria as Mashiach ben Yosef. Kinos translates as lamentation prayers over the destruction of the temple. And there are 51 of them, actually. And if you include Eka, that would be 52, and that would correspond to the gematria 52, which is Ben. And interesting that today is the birthday of the Mashiach. So for unto us, a child is born and that child is a son. So going on, it says here, how can I get into the mood of writing about Kinos just the day after Semikos Torah? While the happy tunes of joy still resonate in my ears and Tishabav is still so far off in the future. How, who can think of Kinos now? So here's the reply of his Rebbe. He replied, you are mistaken. Kinos are not only for Tishabav; They are for the entire year, except that throughout the year, we recite Kinos in a whisper. While on Tishabav, we shout them out loud. Whoever neglects Kinos all year long and attempts to start reciting them on Tishabav will not succeed and saying them even then because he will recite the verses without any feeling and he will become bored. He must cry and mourn over the churban all year long. So the churban is the way you say destruction in Hebrew. So the destruction of the temple would be churban beit hamikdash. So we must cry and mourn over the churban all year long in every season, and then our kinos will reach their climax of pain on Tishabav. This concept of regular mourning over the Churban is codified in the very first chapter of Shulchan Aruch, Orach Chaim 1.3. It is proper for every God-fearing person to feel pain and anguish over the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. The Sifas Emes once was once asked, and what should someone do if he feels no anguish over the Chorban of the temple? The Rebbe replied, then he should be consumed with pain and anguish over his own personal Chorban. If a Jew doesn't feel real pain over the Chorban, it shows that his soul is in a wretched, abysmal state. True kinos are for all year round, but when it comes but when does one begin to develop a feeling for them? On Tishabav, if one truly comprehends and feels the keynotes he recites on this day, he will be inspired to refer back to them throughout the year. For this reason, the Halakha places special emphasis on the understanding, the meaning of every word in the keynotes. The entire congregation should understand them, including the women and children, because women are obligated to hear the kinos like the men, and undoubtedly, we must make certain that the young boys understand. And that is from the Tor Shulchan Aruch Orach Chaim 559. So when I was reading the first five kinos, 
uh, for after Ma'ariv, the first uh, keynote struck me because we say this phrase, Oi Hayalanu. It says, Alas, what has happened to us? Or, Oh, whoa, what has happened to us? And in the one particular section, it talks about the, it says that first of all, there's a couple of different things in here, but one of the, the main things that stuck out to me was the, the fact that slaves ruled over us because the liberation of the Hebrew slaves, we discontinued. So one of the, one of the sad tragedies of our people leading up to the destruction was that we forsook the laws of Parsha Mishpatim, where you're supposed to allow your bond servant to go free uh, after six years of service or during the Yovel. Well, part of our uh, rebellion was that we didn't follow any of those. So also we did not uh, follow the Shemitah or the Yovel laws when it came to the land as well. So it's interesting how these things are connected. So one of the measure for measure punishments was that slaves ruled over us, namely the Babylonians. Uh, there's supposed to be the understanding that Israel is supposed to be a free nation and we're supposed to lead the world in service to Hashem. And if anyone other than Hashem rules over us, then it's likened to those who should be subjugated to Hashem, which would technically be made, which would technically be called slaves. When they rule over us, we become slaves of slaves. And it was directly connected to the fact that people who were free people, but they were entrusted to us for a term of service because when you become a bond servant in Torah, it's because you're paying off a debt or some other uh, reason uh, through the court uh, that has to be instituted. And you're not supposed to keep that person a slave perpetually because they belong to Hashem. So we're slaves to Hashem and we should not be enslaving other people. So it's a layer upon layer of information here, but it says in the footnotes, Many of the keynotes are arranged according to the verses of one or more chapters of Eka. The first keynote is based on the fifth chapter. Each stanza contains two lines. The first stitch is the opening phrase of the corresponding verse in Eka, following or followed by the word oi. The second stitch rhymes with the first, and it's either the patents, uh, the person who put this uh, lamentation together the word is piyut and the person who writes the piyut is a, a patent and then it says uh is either the patent's extension of the verse's lament or his explanation of why the tragedy in the first stitch occurred so the second stitch rhymes with the first and is a, an extension of the verse's lament or an explanation so the phrase oi Ma oi me haya lanu, which is oh whoa, what has happened to us, is inserted at the end of each stanza. This format allows us to focus 
carefully on each tragedy and to respond with a personal sigh of grief, which is oi. The last four verses of Eka appear at the end of the Kina in their entirety without the added phrases. So one of the things that we say when we return the Torah to the ark on any time we do a Torah reading, we say, Hashi venu Adonai eleka venashuva chadesh yamenu ke kedem. Bring us back, Hashem, to you, and we shall return. Renew our days as days of old. It is customary to repeat this verse, which is Acha 5, verse 21, rather at the end, rather than at the end with the words of rebuke in verse 22. So we read all of chapter five, which ends with a verse of rebuke, and then we go back to the previous verse, which is verse 21. And then that is the verse of what we're commenting on that says we act similarly at the conclusion of Isaiah, Malachi, and Kohelet, Ecclesiastes. And thus at the end of these books, we end on a comforting note. That's from Rashi. Renew our days as days of old. It says, then shall the offering of Yehuda and Yerushalayim be pleasant to Hashem, as in days of old and in ancient years. Renew our days as you did when you took us out of Mitzrayim. So each of the chapters of Eka are 22 verses corresponding to the 22 letters of the Hebrew Aleph. So a lot going on with the Aleph Tav. So the final thing I want to read is about the birthday of the Mashiach. And this is also in the preface of the Kino's complete uh, Tishabab service. It says, from the moment the temple was destroyed, Mashiach was born. Midrash Abba Gorian. What is the name of the Mashiach? Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav Eva. His name is Menachem, as it is written. Over these things I weep. My eyes run with water because a comforter, Menachem, to revive my spirit is far from me. Lamentations 1.16. On the day the temple was destroyed, the Messianic Savior of Yisrael was born. What is his name? Menachem, comforter. Midrash Eka Rabati 1.57. And I would like to connect this with the passage in Matityahu, Matthew chapter 23. And it says in verse 37, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. So, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers chicks under her wings but you are not willing look your house is left to you desolate for i tell you you will never see me again until you say baruch haba b'shem adonai
And this is this is a time where Mashiach was weeping over the destruction. And it's interesting that Menachem was weeping as we weep about Menachem. And this is all predicated on the Mashiach being born through the effect of the destruction of the temple. And the statement that I meant to continue to say that was shared by uh, Bonnell yesterday on uh, the 23rd episode of the to the Bain Hamaitrim, I was, he mentioned to me a beautiful statement that said, you know, energy is not destroyed, it's transferred. Because I was telling him the the crazy energy of this time during the three weeks is that we attract tragedy and things like that. So what ends up happening is we use all the elements of our teshuva and our mourning and we overturn that energy into joy through the fact of changing our actions of what caused all this to happen. And so it was like redirecting energy and redirecting the power, if you will. And so I thought that was a beautiful thing because these three weeks are actually supposed to be even more joyous than the beginning of creation. And uh, what we were supposed to experience after leaving Mitzrayim was totally uh, the thing that we were needing to focus on. So may Hashem renew us as in days of old. May we be returned to him and may we soon see Mashiach, our righteousness, Baruch Haba B'Shem Adonai.